You're listening to Starshot, a Cortex Astral Play. I'm Kirby, your host and Game Master, and this is a Corbin Chapter. You find yourself in this dark cave that you literally dropped into. Having climbed down from a certain path uh, along the way, you found a disabled bioroid unit which you then powered on CB601. It climbs to his feet very cautiously, eyes never looking away from you as is trying to basically gauge what you're going to do, try to gauge who you are, and it does introduce itself. However, you sense a sort of inflection in his voice that this type of biroid wouldn't normally be programmed with, uh, which is hesitation, uh, doubt, and maybe even a hint of suspicion. Your work in this field has definitely tuned your ears to that kind of thing. And so this old nav unit rises to his feet. And even though it stands tall, it you know the capabilities of these bioroids can just switch on a dime. It can easily just attempt to leap around you, attempt to just bolt. You are standing between it and the path leading back up the cave. What do you do? I ask CB if he knows where this cave leads, if it goes anywhere further, and I want to know what he's doing down here. You're used to working with the occasional deviants. Normally, bioroids like this are compelled to answer right away, truthfully, but seems to actually take a pause, uh, which for a bioroid isn't very long. It's about seconds, but... And it basically shoots those questions back to you. It says, what are you doing here? Who are you? Where am I? Uh, well... I was being chased by a creature up in the forest, and I fell into this cave, uh, and I found you. Uh, so I'm just trying to get my bearings, and since I have you at least somewhat functioning now, I figured we could uh, help each other to get out of here. Its eyes flicker for half a second to you that says that they are trying to quickly process information and when his eyes stop flickering half a second later it begins to try to walk it 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 tries to skirt around you as much as this small space will allow it to and is going to try to ascend the path back up the cavern wall here there is another path that uh i didn't take uh we could try that way but first i want to make sure that you're uh you're functioning all right. Um, how did you get damaged? Are you trying to like follow it all, or are you just watching it as it uh, skirts around you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going with it. I'm keeping up with it. I'm sure it's not moving very fast. Yeah, it's not moving very fast. That path that you took um, along the cavern wall that spiraled down to this floor. Uh, it's it's a very narrow path, and at some points it causes you to actually like hug the wall as you skirt the edge there. 
uh, which is something I wouldn't have done in real life, but I'm a big sissy. So uh, anyways, yeah, uh, the two of you are moving up. It doesn't hesitate when it looks toward you, but continues to like move along the edge. It has that luxury of having that robotic mind to just process this without having to look down awkwardly at his feet to see where it's going. And he poses a statement. Um, he says... There is no we, and continues to ascend uh, along while you're trying to talk to it. But that said, um, you are trying to sort of make like a first impression, and you're trying to get it to answer questions and stuff. Why don't we kick this off with a influence roll? I think I'm going to be rolling a um, a social, which is a d6 for me, and then my influence die which i'm going to use my workforce behavioral technician trigger to step it up from a d6 to a d8 i think that's what i'm rolling yeah absolutely and i th think you can roll your former company man because that does like encompass your work with viroids distinction oh okay that's an extra that's a different dice okay uh go ahead and roll i have set the stakes to 12 yeah, I did. It's a 10. Yeah, so keep in mind you're only keeping the two highest dice unless you spend a plot point to keep more dice um, that you've rolled, right? So, Oh, so it's an 8. Yeah, it is an 8, and I rolled a 12 to set the stakes. Okay, I guess I'll just fail then. <laughs> yeah. I think CB601 gives you some uh, information. First and foremost, he says, well, CB601 is my... And he pauses as uh, he considers just how much of a, a, a scent this is, right? 601 is not the name I have chosen for myself. My name is Carl. How about we start there? What's your name? Uh, my name is Corbin Jones. I've, uh, I've never uh, met a Bioroid with its own name. This is a first for me. Me alive, Bioroids, Corbin Jones? Uh, I have, yes. That's so. His eyes flicker again uh, as he's processing and uh, give, giving you basically the uh, up-down, right? At this point, I think you're very close to finally reaching that next level so you don't have to hug this rock wall anymore. And I think you're starting to get the impression that he seems to just be making small talk as he is frequently, like, pausing to look down uh, at the vast cavern below. He asks as he ponders over the darkening abyss below, right? Corbin Jones, have you seen any other of my kind around? No. Nope. The only uh, thing I've seen recently is that creature that chased me down here. Finally, the two of you are now on like more even grounds. And you begin to proceed up that path, uh, leading back to the smaller uh, cavernous room where you have originally fell in. He tries to keep several paces ahead of you. And although he could definitely move faster if he wanted to, he does seem to be lagging behind. You get a feeling that uh, he's either, as a nav unit, mapping the area, and which requires him to move at a slower speed, or he might even just want your company. Whatever the case is, he does ask, tell me, Corbin Jones, what year is it? Man, I, 
Do I even know that? Um, so it is like a like a few days away from the 30th anniversary of uh, Worldfall, uh, which is like um, basically how they mark it is 30 AW after Worldfall. So um, I, I, I say to CB, well, I don't really keep too close track of the time, but uh, I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, it's almost 30 years after Worldfall coming up. If he heard you, he doesn't say anything as he continues to march ahead of you, head straight. Eventually you reach that chamber where you had dropped down from the chute, and there's the other path. He says, you make it common habit to take shelter in caves, and he turns around and continues to question, uh, question why you're here. Has things really gone so bad that society is now just living in caves now? <laughs> Uh, no, but, uh, society and I, we don't, uh, tend to get along too well, so I, uh, I myself live in the fringe, though not usually in caves. Unfortunate. Not quite sure what he might mean by that, but he considers the chute, he considers the other path, and he considers you, yet again, giving you another look up and down eyes flickering uh with a royal blue light uh, again as he's processing this whole situation he calmly states very well i believe conversations with your kind tend to be back and forth i will allot you one question well i guess i have to think about what that question should be then huh by my estimates, and he's now looking up the path that neither of you have gone through. You would have approximately seven and a half minutes, and he begins to walk up that path. I guess the only question I have, since I really don't have anywhere to be, where are you headed? Kind of uh, a little snarky, he says, away from here. I have places to be, an appointment to keep. <laughs> You're, you're different than most, and it's refreshing. I'm still trying to assess my relationship with you, but I think this will be comparable. If I recall correctly, we are approximately 30 kilometers away from Stepping Stone. Stepping Stone is still around, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Unfortunate. And Wait, un unfortunate? What does that mean? I think uh, as the two of you are marching up yet another like steep incline, which apparently might be heading up to dry land, right? He doesn't he doesn't miss a beat when he says, "Oh, nothing. I just figured that perhaps your kind would have shifted off by now." Ah, uh, well, only some of us, and by some of us, I mean me. I also want to catch myself and uh, apologize to Carl for calling him by the wrong name. So Carl uh, is lying to you. Uh, he's not being entirely truthful. And you come to realize this as uh, you have finally, like, basically you, you round the bend and you can see uh, light streaming in through another hole in the ground, not too unlike the sh uh, hole that led you to this underground uh system to begin with right it's just like a little bit bigger 
and uh, it's not quite flush with the ground, and he begins to climb through it uh, out into the uh, out into nature. Carl, I uh, I have another question, if I if I may. I do not think we have reached a proper balance, in my opinion, of uh, exchange of information. But perhaps you can pose your question, and I will consider it. He's now standing in a spotty clearing. Uh, spotty because much of the grass here seems to have died. Um, there are like little tufts of the normal orange grass that you're used to. But as you begin to climb out, and as Carl is already doing like a 360 trying to assess the area, uh, the thing that you notice immediately is... Uh, especially as a fringe world survivalist uh, such as yourself, you're not in a good area right now. You're surrounded not by the blue and orange that normally denotes the good areas. You're surrounded by the black, browns, and uh, teal of the bad areas of the wilderness. Carl, I do not know how long you've been down there, but um, if you could see this coloration around here, it means we have to get out of here now. We don't have time for a survey. You're still, like, climbing out while you're saying that, because I, I kind of, like, imagine you only head and shoulders out of the hole, and he is inclined to agree i think carl uh reaches down with his one hand and practically pulls you up uh, and onto your feet and he says as he begins as his eyes begin to flit here and there trying to figure out uh the best route out of here it says well i'm inclined to agree and i think after weighing the options that our survivability rate would be much higher if we were to travel together at least for a short while longer. <sighs> it's not usually my style, but uh, like I said, Carl, I think I like you, so let's stick together. He nods. The nav unit is used to leading the way when it comes to trailblazing paths, uh, but he does hesitate here, quickly asking you, Corbin Jones, are you familiar with this area at all? Uh, very much so. Then perhaps you should lead the way. My my data banks are not fully accessible. And he says it just like that. He's uh, confused as like he has like a, this downturned gaze and his eyes are flickering because he's trying to access uh, information that he has. And I, I just kind of sort of say, well... That is another unfortunate thing about today. And um, I start picking my way through the uh, the woods to a better area. I don't know which direction that would be in, but should I should I roll for that? It depends. Like, uh, are you, like, looking for anything specific? Are you just picking a random direction to go? If we're in an area in which we can tell sort of has been blighted by what whatever... You know, perhaps we can see in the distance or at least see where the blight seems to be heading and move away from that. I think if you want, you can probably, if you're looking for that kind of detail, you would need to perhaps climb on a nearby tree uh, to assess that. You're too, like, ground level to see uh, if, like, you're, like, in, like, center mass of the blight or if perhaps you're at, like, a border uh, which it sounds like you're trying to determine, so... Yeah, I think I want to do that, so even though it will take time, I'll do it quickly, and let's just assume that I 
tell Carl what I'm doing. Absolutely. I think Carl considers this and he looks at you. He says, are you sure you're in good enough shape to be climbing trees? Uh, I just laugh and do it. So um... uh, let me set the stakes for you. Oh, this should be pretty easy for you. It's only a four. <laughs> Yeah, it better be. I'm I'm using my D8, and I, I assume move is, is climbing. Um, D10, and then I'm going to use um, Fringe World Survivalist. And I think I'm, since this is such an easy roll, I'm going to roll it back to a D4 to get a plot point. So I have a, a D8, a D10, and a D4 instead of another D8. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's nine. So you get a big damn hero die, uh, which is going to be a D6. Uh, okay, so yeah, you begin to scuttle up uh, the darkened wood here. Uh, so I think you would know that this type of tree normally has uh, bark that is like white, uh, like a white grayish color, right? Uh, it has darkened to more of a gray black color. Uh, its leaves have turned from a sort of, I would say, like cobalt blue to more of a teal uh and yeah climbing uh climbing into the treetops here and looking off into the distance first uh to the northeast you can see the mountain where stepping stone is settled in uh that is as previously discussed several kilometers away you can see the more normal colors, the more safer colors um, in that direction. But it would appear if you were trying to like immediately get out of this area, you would actually want to go north or northwest uh, where it seems like in less than 10 kilometers, there's some safer ground. On my way back down, I want to take one or two of these um, discolored leaves and take them with me and then... When I hit the ground, I inform Carl that we're going north. It's the quickest way out. Very well. He actually breaks into a jog a couple of strides before he stops and says, Do you have an environmental suit? No. Then I think we're going to have to sprint this. I have detected several toxins within our vicinity that will not do uh, very well for your kind. I believe nerve damage and organ failure is pretty common. <sighs> Today just ain't my day, Carl. No, I do not think it is. It's certainly not my day either. And he begins to break into a sprint northwards. He doesn't have to really worry about this so much. He can keep moving so long as he has the batteries to and uh, so long as his frame will support it. You, however, uh, break into a sprint for this like distance um, in the right amount of time as to not be like overtaken by any sort of uh, toxins in the air you're going to need to roll the hoof it so one thing i want to do first before we sure. i move is even if it's not going to help a lot i want to sort of use any bit of fabric that i can to make a mask of some kind to put over my mouth and nose at least i don't know if i need to roll for that uh, no, it sounds like you're creating an asset, though, and uh, you don't have to spend a plot point to create an asset, uh, but if you want to, like, actually matter toward your role, uh, you'll have to, yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that what you want to do? You want to spend a plot point? Yeah, yeah, I'll take... Uh, so that creates a D6 asset, and that's probably, like, a D6 makeshift mask, and that will last you the rest of the scene. Okay. 
stakes are stupid low right now. <laughs> uh, so I rolled 2d8, <laughs> and because I rolled a 1, I only have uh, stakes of 3. So uh, you would have to absolutely botch this okay. roll to not be <laughs> successful, I think. So so does that mean I can save the asset? Is that what that means? Or do I use it? No, a roll the asset. I mean, okay. uh, it gives you a better chance of getting yet another big damn hero die. Uh, so, That's true. And there's still like chances of you rolling complications too. So yeah, go uh, go ahead and roll. 2d8s for my, my um, physical and... Fringe World Survivalist. I'm going to use my move, which is a D10. Oh, and my D6 because of that asset. I think that's it. I better. <laughs> I think I got okay. the big damn hero <laughs> dice. Yeah, so you roll 17. <laughs> uh, so I think what happens here is... I think Carl actually holds back a little bit because obviously he doesn't have to worry about getting toxins within his system right uh all he just needs is like a, a fresh water wash down and any toxins on his uh, on his person would be like washed away right and it's not going to impact his system at all but he was holding back probably going 70 percent of the speed that he could be going uh when you just bolt right past him right and he then begins to pick it up uh <laughs> and his like 100 percent um Allows him to catch up a little bit, uh, but ultimately it's not quite as uh, high as yours. As you're now like running with this face mask and says, Well, I'm very surprised by you, Corbin Jones. Not so much your fashion senses, but I didn't think your kind would be in such good shape after all these years. You know, with our kind taking care of you. Okay. So uh, the two of you are sprinting uh, for a good 10, 15 minutes even. Your lungs are burning even as good a shape as you are, Corbin. And by the time you race out of the danger zone, you find yourself, I would say, like a good safe 20 uh, paces away from the blighted area. You actually come to another clearing here where there's a small sort of dome that's been built. It's not an unfamiliar sighting for you. It's a very common design for the uh, Guardians of Eden who tend to have several research outposts out here in the fringes. It's basically made out of this cement that is going to break down very soon like after the colony is supposed to like take off from Janus, right? Uh, because that's the overall goal. Yeah, within 100 years. And uh, you do see a sort of light that's emanating from one of the windows. And you actually see a silhouette pass by the light. At this point, I would say is twilight uh, within, um, within this world, right? And you stand between it, uh, catching your breath, and the danger zone. Um, you can even see vines, like, ever so slowly creeping across the grass but it's not moving in such a way that it doesn't seem like it would be like an immediate threat for you so the dome is basically its own ecosystem is that what you mean no it's, it's just a it's a cement building that looks like a dome oh, oh oh okay do we see anybody around it or just the dome itself uh the only signs of life was that silhouette that passed through the window from inside the building okay well if we have a second to catch my breath i think i turn to Carl and I'm like, well, 
I would say that I'm not like most humans to, to close that loop. And then let's move towards the dome, see if we can get in it, because I assume it's safer than being out here. Sure. Uh, you move towards the dome. You notice right away that the door is already ajar. It seems like only a single room perhaps has this light uh, open. You hear some like clattering and some muffled strings of profanity coming from an adjacent room. I say to Carl, uh, well, where do we go from here? I will say Carl is standing several feet uh, behind you. His eyes are flickering again as his gaze is skyward towards the darkening skies uh, overhead. And he seems unconcerned with whatever it is you're doing as you're potentially rooting around this building. What do you do? As much as I don't want to um, interact with whoever is in this building, I do want to see if there's any supplies in here, like an environmental suit or at least a mask, so that if we get stuck in this similar situation again, I have something else. He doesn't respond. He's still standing in a sort of power stance, eyes continuously flickering, as he is potentially scanning the stars to get a better readout of where exactly you all are. I will sneak in, trying to take a look around, so I don't know if I can use more than one skill at the same time, but I would be thinking something like sneak and try to notice what's around. Right, so... How do you go about that? Are you sneaking in then so you don't draw attention? Are you... So let's see if I can get in first. Yeah, well, so basically that's just a question of, like, to me, like, what's more important? Is mm. it equally important that you roll both skills in two separate rolls to do that? Or is there just only one thing that's more important? And I think in this case, since it's dark, especially in much of this building, it is kind of important that you're able to like actually find stuff. So I think we will do two separate roles. Okay. The first role will be you like trying to uh, sneak in, I think, so as not to, to uh, draw attention. Okay. Well, I'm definitely rolling my physical D8, sneak D8, and then I might even add one of these big damn hero die to make sure i get this all right stakes have been set to 10 uh so you can spend a plot point to add the big damn hero die and you can do that after you've already rolled so you can you can do that like yeah so just save it for now and just make your roll otherwise 10 okay you match the stakes uh so you have to beat the stakes in order to be successful so you can either just take the hit and fail or you can spend a plot point to get that uh, hero die out i will do that okay so now i have one and then i will add the one d8 big damn hero dice 14 okay yeah that's enough to be successful so yeah you creep in gently ever so gently like pushing open the door the room that immediately greets you is in open floor space you can see basically rows of shelving uh, that have that curve along with the walls of the dome. You can also see several islands in the middle of the room uh, that have all sorts of lab equipment that is pretty typical of, uh, of a Guardians of Eden outpost. And additionally, you see like a small box. The only other like light source within this immediate room is coming from a lamp that's within this box that seems to have like a mini 
ecosystem within it. You can see like orange blades of grass and dirt and uh, some flora in there. And presumably if there's some sort of lamp, the lamp is either for the flora or there might be some sort of small critter in there. I'm sorry, what, uh, what were you looking for specifically? Well, I wanted to see if there was any um, equipment like hazard suits or at least a mask so that in case there is any more of that you know, bad air that I need to escape, I'm better prepared. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and, uh, yeah, let's let's do that notice roll that we talked about. So uh, let me set the stakes. This is going to be kind of hard because it's so dark and you're trying, you're continuing to try to do this like quietly, right? 14 is the stakes here. I'm rolling my physical D8 and my notice which is also d8 since i'm doing this with the intent to make myself more hardy in certain situations would this count as a fringe world survivalist dice too yeah i think so and i think you should be rolling your mental for the notice check oh okay okay an eight and a complication okay i am not going to buy that complication because i don't think um I don't think there's anything that I want to like inflict on you in general, but I think what happens here is uh, as you're running around, like perhaps approaching one of the lockers on the far side of the room, that's uh, light that's coming in from the adjacent room, which, you know, on a glance looks like it's more of a kitchen uh, when you were passing by it. Uh, you, you did not see that person that's rooting through there. You can still hear them on the uh, other side of the wall. You creep along uh, in the shadows here, going toward that locker, when you nearly trip over something. Uh, and you realize what you tripped over is a body that's like laid out. More specifically, you trip over the f uh, feet and hidden behind like those islands that you originally saw coming in is a body that seems to be... Um, well, it's a person who seems to be knocked out. It takes, it's kind of hard to assess with how dark it is, but you're pretty sure you're seeing like the uh, chest rising. They seem to still be uh, breathing, uh, but they definitely have a nasty like wound on these, uh, like a nasty cut on the side of their temple there. But that said, you do see the lockers where they would perhaps keep the environmental suit and definitely requires like a key card access. Can I check the guy that is right next to me to see if he has a key card? They don't have uh, anything in their pockets. They do have this lanyard. The little car that would have been dangling from that lanyard seems to have been ripped off. The jacket itself reads a last name, uh, which is Figueroa. I think two things happens while you're trying to check the key card on this uh, person. You do have the benefit of kind of being behind the island uh, as you're like squatting beside this body. Carl walks in and he uh, announces uh, unconcerned as he pauses at the doorframe and then begins walking toward that kitchen area that I mentioned. Corbin Jones, have you already left me? Go figure. They all leave me at the end. And then a moment later, oh, uh, as, yeah, as I kind of like imagine that you're kind of like maybe peering over the island to figure out what's going on. I'm like, I'm, I'm waving my hands at him and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Basically, his line of sight shifts just as your hand like 
crops up over the uh, island there. Uh, so he just barely misses you. And so he is at the threshold of this island when suddenly, like, he holds up his uh, one arm very, like, defensively and says, You are either Corbin Jones or someone else, uh, which is a very fair assumption. He's talking very much in the same manner as when you first found him and he was caught in that loop. Again, this unit shouldn't have emotions programmed like that into him. and But he's talking very rapidly, very nervously, as he takes a couple steps back. And in the light uh, step into the room with you is a woman. She has dark brown hair, which is buzzed. She is currently dressed in dark gray pants and uh, brown boots. And you see that like top wise, she only has like a tank top on, but you can see some blood like on her side. And she is now holding Carl at gunpoint. I should note that guns are freely available due to decisions that were made in uh, season zero. She doesn't say anything. She just kind of stares down uh, this bioroid. Where is she in relation to me? Carl is somewhere behind me or to the right of me, like on the other side of the island, I assume. Yeah, they're both on the other side of the island because she's She's right be uh right by Carl. Like she's holding a gun, like literally a foot away from Carl's face. I- I'm just trying to get a lay of the land. Is it possible for me to move around the island to get behind her without her seeing me? Yeah, I would say so. Especially since she is uh, with every step that she takes, uh, Carl's taking a step back closer to the door. So yeah, as that progresses, um, there's more and more of opportunity to do just yeah. that. And before you do anything, I will say she is waving the uh, barrel of the gun to Carl, who is socially adept enough to understand that she's demanding wordlessly that he close the door. So what I would like to do is quickly and quietly move behind her. I assume being a survivalist that I mean, I'm going to say it, and you're going to tell me if I'm right. I have some kind of survival knife on me. I'm just going to move behind her and sort of take her hostage if I can so that she drops the gun on Carl. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be, uh, yeah, you're going to try to sneak behind her, and she's got to roll to nose you, so she's going to be setting the stakes. Oh, God. All right. Well, I'm going to roll my my physical, uh, which is D8, my sneak, you said, right? And she is going to be spending, or yeah, I'm going to be spending uh, my one plot point to add all three of those dice together. So the stakes have been set to 16. I don't think no matter no matter what I do, I won't be able to win. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. And actually, because you failed by um, more than five, uh, uh, so they don't get hero dice. They just take away from yours. Um, so your last hero die goes away. Uh, so All right. I think you try to creep up in like a low half crouch uh, behind her as you're beginning to draw your knife. And honestly, you might have been able to do it if not for Carl, who very panically basically looks like right at you and says, Oh, thank the metal gods you're here, Corbin. Uh, and immediately the woman doesn't hesitate um, as she just flat out uh, does like <laughs> a back 
kick um, uh, into your solar plexus and causing you to like reel backwards uh, and stumble into the kitchen, which she just came uh, back out of. Mm. I think uh, what happens here is that Carl tries to bolt out the door that he just closed and she fires, right? But she doesn't uh, hit him in time. Uh, So I think caught between the decision of trying to race after this biroid and address the actual other human here she grunts and very quickly like paces up and she's going to try to essentially pin you down with her foot and hold a gun up to you depending on how you're reacting like how how do you react to that like uh, again she's attempting to do this so you're more than welcome to defend yourself or to try to move away. Yeah. Um, but as you find yourself in this kitchen, I will say, like, uh, there is, like, one other door here uh, within this kitchen that's, like, several pieces away. Uh, you're not sure where that would lead, though. Is it going into the building or is it going back outside? Or we don't we don't even know that. You don't even know that right now. So she's coming at me trying to pin me. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna see if I can dodge out of the way. Sure. So I'm not. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight her. I kind of want to put my hands up to show that I don't really want to fight her. But I am not just gonna let her. Yeah. Go ahead and roll to set the stakes. So you rolled a nine to set the stakes. She's good. Oh boy. They rolled a nineteen. Moving with a. I'm sorry. So were you trying to move like toward that door, further into the kitchen, trying to move around her? Like, what would that look like? I kind of, I kind of imagined that you were like scrambling um, on the uh, ground, like you were like temporarily like knocked on your ass, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm up on my feet, but uh, yeah, I think I was moving towards the door. Um, probably didn't get there though. No. Uh, I think what happens here is that she immediately lurches forward with an unnatural grace as she uh, grabs the scruff of your collar and pulls you and then readjusts her grip to grab your neck to then like uh, bring you up into the air and slam you down. It certainly hurts like hell uh, when she does this. Uh, you are winded when this happens, and she is now like looming on top of you, uh, kneeled on one leg, barrel of her gun um, to the side of your head. You're not even sure if you've ever seen this uh, design of a weapon before, but in any case, I think while she looks at you with her dark brown, almost black eyes, uh, she says, Who are you? Who do you work for? I don't work for anybody anymore, miss. I was just looking for some supplies. But hell of a welcome, though. I'd I'd never seen anybody, uh, you know, treat unknowns such, uh, so poorly. Uh, Now that you're, like, here in this situation uh face to face with this woman she is fair-skinned to begin with but she absolutely looks like she is pallid she has like this uh coat of sweat about her person and uh just full stop it looks like adrenaline is just coursing through her veins as if she just uh went through something as if to kind of punctuate this you can hear something from outside hit the dome and then Instant later, uh, while her attention's like looking up toward the ceiling of this dome, you can pretty much follow that sound as it sounds like something is scuttling across the top of the dome here on the outside of the building. What do you do? Uh, Well, I think she's still like on top of me, right? Yeah, she's still pinning you down. And for a person of her stature, like she's like 
of 5'5", and she, I mean, she does have like a bit of a build to her, but there's no way she should have been able to just uh, slam you like that and just so yeah. seemingly effortlessly hold you down with the one arm. Corbin says to her, I said, well, now that I have a chance to uh, breathe for a second, let's uh, let's think about this. You see a one-armed nav unit in your doorway there is a knocked out gentleman in the other room and for some someone so small uh you just threw me around like a rag doll so either you're not what you seem or i'm a murdering hobo once you make a uh I think we're going to have you do an influence roll. Let me set the stakes. You're actually going to get an extra die here, D8s, to roll against her because she has this ongoing complication that we will maybe talk about later. Uh, she sets the stakes to 15. Well, as far as I know, she's a human. I don't think she is. Me, Tony, the player, but we got a 16 somehow. <laughs> oh, you barely raised the stakes. Okay. Uh, that's exactly what you needed to raise the stakes against her 15. Uh, there's a moment there uh, where she's like steel arm just pinning you down and then you feel an immense pressure literally um, lift off of your chest and throat here as she lets you go. Um, she uh, gets up. Her gaze is like uh, turned upwards toward the ceiling as she is trying to follow that sound and um, as you're catching a breath that's when Carl moves in very quickly uh, slamming the door shut causing her to like jump because she's now like out of view of that front door right I think Carl is absolutely trying to hold the door himself there's nothing like banging against the door but his back is against the door as if hmm. he, he wants to make sure something doesn't get through it and he looks over to you well corbin jones i see that you're still alive i have assessed the situation i feel my rate of survivability is greater in here what's out there carl his eyes flicker uh as he tries to recall this uh information he says uh i believe they call them suun baboons Horned baboons, I believe, is the name that is most commonly attributed to them. Miss, I think we have a bigger problem right now. You want to help us or not? She doesn't say anything. She seems to be in uh, combat mode. The window in that room that you were originally looking around in, Jason, to the kitchen, as a window smashes inwards in there, causing CB601, aka Carl, who doesn't need to breathe, to audibly gasp. All music and artwork featured on the show was brought to you by Solid, whose information can be found in the show notes. If you would like to stay up on the latest news for Starshot, follow us on Twitter at StarshotPod. We'll see you among the stars.